Hello, and welcome to Making the Case, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Attorney General's Office. I'm Samantha Fisher, Communications Director and Host. The Tennessee Attorney General's Office is the law firm for the state and manages a wide variety of cases, antitrust, consumer fraud, environmental enforcement, and much more. The work is complex, challenging, sometimes even controversial. If you like history and law, come along with us for Making the Case, The Tennessee Attorney General's Office only handles criminal cases on appeal following the defendant's conviction in trial court. These cases can go on many years, often decades, especially in capital cases. And this creates the opportunity to get to know family members whose loved ones were murdered or victims themselves. Our victim liaisons go beyond what the law requires. They not only fully inform family members and victims through the stages in the appellate process, they also manage tense situations in and out of the courtroom. Sierra Ragland and Tracy Taylor are joining me today to talk about this very important role in the Attorney General's office. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for for having us. You bet. You know, the justice system can be disheartening and confusing, and I know you two don't merely explain the process, but you also accompany victims to court and even to prison. Can you just start off by telling us a little bit about what your work looks like? Sierra and I are responsible for all victim communication within the criminal justice section of our office. We coordinate with the attorneys. We communicate with the families at each stage of our cases. This includes accompanying victims and family members to state or federal court or arguments and explaining the court proceedings. So, Tracy, that sounds like it could be really tough. You know, the, the first interaction that our office is having with a victim or families of the victim is your voice, right, on the other end of the line. That's correct. How how do you prepare yourself to make that phone call? It can be difficult at times. Um, We have to be a great listening ear, have patience, 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 patience. (laughs) Sometimes we are on the phone two or three minutes. Sometimes we're on there two or three hours. It just depends. But we are there to to listen to what they have to say because sometimes they don't have anyone else to speak with. And they've, they've been through the trial court process, right? They've, they've been through a jury trial, there's been a verdict, and now it's on appeal. And so I imagine they have a lot of questions. They do. And sometimes they do not understand why an appeal has been filed. Sometimes they are confused and may have our office confused with the district attorney's office. So we have to try to explain that we are separate and why the appeal has been filed in that process. And it's like they're being re-victimized over and over again when that happens. Do you find yourself in almost a counseling role sometimes? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes we do. So after the phone call, I imagine eventually you meet in person, right? If they appear for the oral arguments, that's usually the only time we meet in person. They do have the right to come to the arguments in person when we do have them in person, or they can choose not to attend and we just keep them updated of the outcome of that decision of the appeal. We know that with with many of these cases, especially the capital cases, that they go on for decades, and so you get to know some of these people pretty well. Some families we've known for years, and some families we're just meeting 
but um, it, it's always a process because these families have been waiting years for an execution to, to take place. So we become very familiar with them and we um, keep in contact quite a bit with informing them of the um, capital case process. Sierra, in capital cases, which, which go on for decades, you, know, you meet with uh, you know, the families of the victim over and over again. You know, what are some of the yeah. things you've noticed in, in doing this work over the years? Um, they are tired of waiting years for um, this offender to be executed. And a lot of families feel like no one cares about their concerns and um, their opinions of how these capital cases are being handled. If, if you listen, I mean, that, that, goes a, that goes a long way with victims. At least try to understand what they're going through. I think that if you're not a lawyer, it can be very difficult to understand all the machinations of the judicial system and why it takes so long. How do you explain that to, to victims and victims' families? That is a very good point. <laughs> that, that really is a good question. Because we always say we're not attorneys, so we have to, as Sierra would say, we would ask our attorneys, can you dumb it down for us, explain it to us so we can explain it to the family in our own words exactly what is going on and how everything just step by step, just in plain everyday language so they can understand it. And so we can understand it as well because, you know, like you said, as attorneys, you're, they're attorneys and we're the victim liaison, so we definitely do not understand all of the legal terminology mm-hmm. that goes into the briefs that are prepared and the opinions that are decided. So we do have to depend on our attorneys to explain that to us the best way they can. You both mentioned that that talking with and walking with victims and victims' families requires a lot of patience. Of course it would. Tell me about what attracted you to doing this kind of work? What what made you think, you know, this is something that I, I want to do for my career? Well, I thought I wanted to be an attorney until I had an internship with the district attorney's office in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I started helping these victim witness coordinators, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And then I got offered a job, and it pushes me to help victims of crime because I'm a survivor of domestic assault and sexual assault. So that always pushes me to try to help these victims the best that I can. Tracy, why did you get into doing this kind of work? I love helping people. I have always just been a helper. Um, I'm originally from West Tennessee, and I started another job a month prior to starting here. But I had um, saw this the job description on the website. And I was like, oh, this sounds like something that I think I could possibly do. Can you tell me in your own words, Tracy, what is a victim liaison? That is hard to explain at times as well. When someone always asks me, what do I do? And I say, I work for the state. And then they say, what do you do for the state? And I say, I'm a victim liaison. What is that? I always say liaison. Then they say, what is that? Between the attorneys and the court. Um, But I guess we're just that middle person between the court system and the attorneys in our office. So I guess we're kind of the middle woman. I won't say the middle man, the middle woman here at the office. But you're, that is all true. But you're more than that, too. You know, at times you're a counselor. counselor. You're, you're kind of a judicial Sherpa. Um, <laughs> you know, you are, I imagine, on hand 
um, off hours and on weekends and you know available to folks when decisions come down and and you need to quickly communicate before they might read something in the newspaper it is funny you said that um last night actually at 10 53 i responded to an email that a victim had sent me and it i was you know winding down and she thanked me for responding so quickly. She's like, oh, thank you so much for responding back so quickly. And I was like, oh, it's no problem. So we have had cases where we had to come back to the office to make phone calls because of news that had broke. Um, I think one time I was on my way home to West Tennessee, and we had a case break, and I had to give the attorney the information out of my files. I go look in my file, and so he made the phone calls. So we do have those after-hours things to happen. Do the executions, those are particularly hard. I know for the attorneys in this office, they are intense days. They are long days. Uh, What are they like for you? You are holding the hands of the the families. We're at the prison and we're still not knowing what to expect. So, um, and we're with the families, just nervous and trying to be there to support them. But it's extremely stressful because we never know what to expect. Until that last minute, I mean, until 7 o'clock, until that last minute, anything can happen. The governor could step in and grant a reprieve. Anything can happen. And we don't have any way of really knowing because once we're inside the prison, our communication is gone. Our phones, we have no way of knowing what's going on outside that room we're sitting in. Is there a case that's now in the past that, particularly stands out to you maybe it was a person that you worked with or guided through the process or the nature of the case itself just something that is indelible was it the first week that I started it was the first the first week week I started started at this office I went to a meeting this was the first day first day I think you and then they handed me this big binder yeah a binder (laughs) and it was the IREC case and they were like yeah the execution is what was it in two weeks or Mm -hmm. next week and I had to communicate with the family and and provide support and Tracy was with me to help me along with the way but IREC sticks sticks out the best Mm -hmm. because they have been waiting for a long time to seek justice on that. So they were ready when we met them. They were ready to go. The season to remember is uh, upon us, and this is a you know an opportunity for victims' families to honor and remember their loved ones who were victims of homicide. Have you found that this is um, helpful for victims' families? I believe it is, um, and I actually have a quote, if you don't mind me, um, Last year's virtual event, um, and Ms. Conti, Andrea Conti, who's the founder of Tennessee Season, remember, I was looking back, and her quote was perfect. She stated that the holidays are especially painful to remember those who are no longer with us. At a ceremony at one season to remember a few years ago, a mother said to me, no, it doesn't matter if it's two weeks or two months or two years or 20 years. The tears and the emotions still flow. This evening is a time to comfort each other, to share each other's strength and pain as we honor the lives of those taken from us too soon. And that is definitely a true statement because the, the loved ones, of course, they never forget what happened. But that ceremony is so heartfelt and touching and warm. It's 
and it brings families together that may have gone through similar incidents. And, I mean, people from all across the state travel here for it, from East Tennessee, West Tennessee, for this ceremony. And it's just a somber time. And I'm trying not to cry when I think about it, but um, tears are shed at the ceremony. And, like I said, of course, before COVID, we were hugging the family members. And sometimes we... We don't generally, like I said, meet the family members unless they come to an appellate court hearing. But if they, someone may say Tracy Taylor, and they're like, oh, Miss Taylor, we spoke to you. I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. So we'll meet that family member and hug them and be like, oh, my God, I'm so glad to finally put a face with the voice. And there's one family from East Tennessee, and Sierra has them now. I just love them to death. And they come each year, and they are always hugging and glad to see us and but it's just a very emotional time for those families to attend the ceremonies. But I think it does help them when they walk up to hang that ornament and shake the governor's hand and hug um, the victim services director with the Department of Corrections and the, or the Board of Paroles. And it's just, it's just really a feeling I can't explain. But I, I hung an ornament um, one year for a family member that couldn't be present because sometimes they will ask us to do that if someone can't be there. So when I was walking up, I was like, uh, it was just, it was just like a feeling just came over me, just holding that ornament and then walking up to hang it and very warming and touching ceremony. It really is. What do you find to be the most meaningful aspect of your work? That I get to go home from work knowing that I helped someone or that I made someone's day a little bit brighter. And that we've made hopefully a difference in that person's life or that day. I mean, we can't erase what happened to them or to their family member, but hopefully that we have been there for them to make some type of difference or have an impact on them as well, knowing that we have helped them some type of way. Tracy and Sierra, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about what you do. I know that typically you are behind the scenes and you prefer it that way, but this is such an important aspect of what the Tennessee Attorney General's office does with these cases uh, that are on appeals. And it's uh, really nice to hear about what you do and to understand a little bit better about what the office does to help victims and families of victims through the judicial system. 